Welcome back to our listeners. You are tuning into the Boardroom for Women. I am your host, Lori Carice. What is the Boardroom for Women? This is the time to energize and get motivated and be inspired to get your week going or get your month going, activate some new inspiration to apply to your business. So I like to pull together the virtual Boardroom for Women to do just that and empower them. Today, we have with us Wisteria Edwards. She's an author, educator, influencer, and business owner of Simple and Deep, a company dedicated to helping women understand attachment, engage their stories, and living intentionally. Today's topic is how can understanding attachment styles facilitate greater connection in the workplace? Welcome, Wisteria. Hi, Lori. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And I know you're feeling a little under the weather. I want to acknowledge that. And I just want, I just want to say, you know, to our listeners, I do not do like a background check on all of our, our guests and, and go through a style that feels formal and, you know, like a presentation. I like to just have a conversation. So with Syria, I know you're a little hard on yourself today, feeling like you're not in best voice, but we're just having a conversation and sick happens and I just want you to be comfortable and, you know, Thank Hey, you. I, I'm just chatting yes. with you and guess what? You know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent today either. I, I feel a little just kind of worn down by my schedule, but mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah. So I, I actually, um, just for your listeners, um, information, I teach kindergarten in Eastern Washington and that is literally like a petri dish of cooties beyond all reason. You were talking about just recently being in Disneyland, but um, I feel like I go almost like to, to uh, like an old school tuberculosis ward every week because I'm with small children. Um, so we, uh, this is my first kindergarten cold of the year. So I apologize for that. Um, and hopefully your listeners will um, give me a little grace for that. But yes, I'm so excited to be here with you um, talking about attachment. It is for me, the the cornerstone, the kind of the foundation of my business that I run um, because our attachment style is actually influencing every relationship we have every day from um, our infancy. So that's um, through my own work of repairing broken attachment. Um, I've been able to use that in my classroom as well as in my everyday life. So that is my passion. Wonderful. So I'm going to have you lead this conversation. You're the mm-hmm. expert in attachment. And um, again, the topic is how understanding attachment styles facilitate greater connection in the workplace. So, so often our workplace is also our home in, in this world mm-hmm. of, you know, working from home. So hopefully you'll be able to even touch play, uh, touch on how workplace is possibly your it, kitchen it <laughs> and, is. and how and the energy kind of carries over to your family at times, but yeah. Right. So I don't know if your, your audience has heard the phrase, but it says under stress, we regress. So we often, um, we, if you think of stress with workplace or home life, if we have like a one to five ratio, let's say, or a, you know, kind of a gamut, we would say that most of us operate. Um, so like we would think of like four being a, like a diving board into five, like totally losing our cool, right? And just losing it with stress. So we operate more like at a three, four all the time when we're at our workplace environment because we're making constant 
decisions. We're constantly um, having people berating us with uh, emails and phone calls and all these different deadlines, that sort of thing. So regardless if we're in our kitchen or we're at a cubicle or we're teaching in front of children, we are constantly under stress. Would you, you would probably agree with that as well. So um, with that, we bump into people every day, right? And then those people have a story. We have a story. All the things that we have experienced in life, we bring to the moment we're in. So when we are stressed, we're going to go back to our quickest responses that we learned in childhood, how we coped. So um, in my own research, there are I've always thought about it this way, that I like to take a massive topic and make it very simple and very deep. So we're going to think of um, attachment for the listeners as a square that we divide into four equal parts, just for the, the visual um, help of that. The first top part would be a person that has secure attachment. So a secure attachment is someone who got everything that they needed when they needed it as children, which we only need about 50% of that to happen for us to have secure attachment. So if that happens, it's it basically our mother was our caregiver, right? The, our main caregiver. So she was able to meet our needs the way that she was, um, that we needed as children. It's like a kind of like a deposit in a bank. So what happens is as we had a need, she would come and meet that need and we learn to trust and love people. And that also will, will show up if we have secure attachment in the workplace or when we're working with um, our colleagues and adults, we will recognize that we have boundaries. We take care of ourselves. We know when, um, when we're tired. We know when we need something. We stand up even if we're working at home and go and get a decent meal. We're not snacking on Skittles the whole day, right? Um, we are drinking water. We're making time for exercise and sleep. People do not sleep enough. So I've even had to, because I was raised with insecure attachment, giving myself the grace to know that I need an app that reminds me I need to start winding down at the end of the day. So when you have secure attachment, you just take good, you're on your own team is how I would see it. You take care of yourself. You're for yourself. Um, and what happens is as children, when we are raised in places that we either had to take care of a parent because that parent had tremendous emotional need that they've never dealt with, or we're kind of ignored and dismissed. Like people meet our needs, but they just, they meet them, but there's no, there's no um, questioning about how we're doing with things, naming the experiences we're in. We end up with what they call insecure attachment. So two of the other places are, the two of the other squares would be um, anxious attachment or what we call ambivalent attachment, where our the child's greatest fear is that we're going to be rejected or abandoned. So if we look at that in the workplace, we are constantly saying, did I do this right? Is there anything else I can do? We're constantly questioning how what we're doing is being perceived by other people. Now, this is not just um, wanting to do our best. This is an absolute fear that is driving us, an anxiety that we are going to be left or someone is going to be chosen over us. And that can create tremendous stress as well. Then we have the other person who might have what we call avoidant attachment. And avoidant attachment is that 
that the baby that got their needs met, but that's it. They didn't get a lot of cuddling, cooing. The mom was not constantly looking at their face, loving their expressions. It was just meeting the need. So what happens is that child is often dismissed in the, in the home. Um, they are not allowed to experience emotions per se, like that we're not going to cry about it. You know, we're going to buck up. We're going to be strong. Like, and it's more about um, the adults tend to be um, uncomfortable with the emotions of the child. And so what happens is that child learns that I don't talk about emotions. We only do things that are tangible, that are measurable, and the tasks need to be perfect because if I do not do everything right, then there might be a big emotion that goes with it. And we don't do emotions around here. So um, in my own work with uh, Fred Rogers, with Mr. Rogers, uh, he was raised in that kind of environment. So you see a lot of perfectionism for people who are in the workplace now. Um, meticulous schedulers, constantly color coding everything, not allowing to make mistakes, being rigid about how we do things and why we do them to the point of running over people's emotions, right? So um, you have, and then you have the, the anxiety of the other one that is constantly worried about the emotions. And this person over here that's avoidant is going to be so annoyed by this person that's constantly feeling like they're chaotic. So you're having those two things clash in the boardroom. You're going to have those two things that um, just drive each other crazy. So in the classroom, I had children who were doing this, doing that to me, that either they were in my face, in my grill, constantly wanting to know if they were loved or if I was mad at them, or you have the overly compliant child that refuses to speak, never tells you they have a need and that they might be having the accident or whatever. So we, we have, we go to extremes and I'm, and it seems very extreme because as we get older, we get better at hiding some of these things. And we also celebrate in our culture multitasking. We celebrate people doing everything perfect and not having mistakes. Although we say we want to uh, celebrate people and, and overcoming adversity, we don't want to show people that highlight reel of all the mistakes we make, right? So it's it's so interesting. That's why I went back to the beginning because that's our original wound. Now, we also have this other facet of people who were raised with extreme trauma and Oftentimes, they're trying to rewrite their story, which is amazing and wonderful and commendable. But if we don't engage our whole story of where we came from and all of the experiences we've had, um, what happens is a child that is raised in extreme trauma, so they're, they're either looking at someone who is being terrorized, meaning like their mother or in like domestic violence situations, or they are being terrorized by someone who is supposed to be taking care of them. They will actually, their brain gets wired because all attachment rewires our brain from the beginning. And that's based on our experience because babies come into the world just trusting and looking for someone who's looking for them. So it's a matter of the experiences and the things that we swallow, our nervous system swallows that as, a, as an infant. So that's why our senses bring back all experiences. Have you ever been, um, Lori, somewhere and you smell a cologne or a perfume or you hear a song and it triggers a memory? Would you agree? Right. Oh, and sure. instantly you feel it. Right. You or you smell something like or you or you feel a certain um 
the sensation and you're like, oh, this must be deja vu. But it's really our nervous system communicating to us because we have a fight flight kind of system um, where it's to protect us. And so children learn what we can and cannot do to protect ourselves emotionally and physically. And so a disorganized person who um, has been living it with a lot of uncertainty, they will jump back and forth between both. So one day they're acting like they want to be your best friend. And the next day they're avoiding you and trying to be perfect over here. So like, it's like, you cannot predict that person. So then you have a lot more um, predisposition towards mental illness, all those kind of things. So all of these things come together in the workplace, right? We have people, we have stress, and then we have our programming. So we'll, we'll be doing okay until we're stressed. Well, if we're living in this place of constant stress with our jobs, we're going to have more of these attachments showing up than if we were at a really calm place. Like if we're on a, a vacation and there's not a lot going on and we're pretty chill, we can be our best self. But I think most people would raise their hand and say, yeah, under stress, I do really weird things <laughs> because we're trying to just cope and survive. So that is kind of a nutshell of regardless if you're using it with children or you're using it, um, you know, working with corporate in a, in a corporate law firm, for instance, you're, you're still going to have how people respond to problems, how they respond to rejection, criticism, how they're going to problem solve. It's all going to play a part in those four ways that children attach when they're little. And so what I've done in my own business is that I've created a quiz that people can take that's like 60 seconds. And it kind of gives you a pin, uh, it kind of tells you a little bit about where you would be based on what you answer, right? Um, but knowing your, your basic attachment style is so incredibly helpful and life-giving because it gives you an idea of why you react the way you do to certain situations. So that's kind of yeah. a little nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we also have to realize that our, uh, the, our attachments might not match other people's attachments, um, right. that we work with. I'm sitting here thinking yes. of, of a coworker <laughs> situation, like, I'm going to try not to, when I clash with them, look at them and say, what happened to you when you were a kid? <laughs> well, but exactly. But what's great about that is knowing. So for instance, one of the classic examples of, I, I, and we also marry our opposites oftentimes. So I married an analytical avoidant. He is a scientist and he sees things very logical, right? So let's say we're in the same meeting together. He's going to be looking at the data. And I'm sitting there thinking, the data makes me feel like crap, right? So, and it's not necessarily that one is black or white, right? It's just the way that we see the world, how we give and receive love, how we give and receive connection. That's what attachment is. So what happens is we have to recognize that everyone in the room or in the environment has permission to be exactly who they are. But knowing about the different places gives us compassion for ourselves as well as compassion for other people, right? And knowing that my husband, oftentimes, if I ask him, what do you think about this? People that have avoidant attachment will have less descriptor words to connect to how they're feeling about a situation, even if it's unease, right? Like, I don't feel like we should do this yet, there's not enough data. They might go right to the logical part, but they're still, they have a hard time 
articulating the the feeling that they feel in their body about it, right? So if you have two people that are trying to do the same thing, they're coming at it from different ways. So it's recognizing that it is often our attachment styles that are clashing, not necessarily our ideas, right? Where we might be going the same place, but we're getting there different ways. So I I really believe, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, so what's my attachment issue that I have a real problem with being ghosted or the feeling of being ghosted in emails? I am a chronic scheduler. You mentioned scheduler and it's because it's like, I do feel spread thin. I carry, I juggle a lot of watermelons is what I'm, uh-huh. I say is because we're all juggling, but I feel like- Or boulders at this point, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. equally a burden. Yeah. So it's like when you're not responding, when I want you to respond, I feel like you have thrown me off of my schedule and I have to remind myself my emergency is not your emergency, but that whole, yeah. attach, what's my attachment issue that people aren't, come on, like- get on it right now. Right. I do so I have to do that have, with my kids, by the way, when I give them, I know task, I'm like right now, now, now <laughs> I know. So I also have a real problem with what I consider inactivity when people are being inactive or they're not making, they're not, uh, I am a woman of action, right? And I also am a woman of planning. So there's two things. One, it's rude to ghost, just period rude. Like and my, my counselor even said that to me once, like that's, yes, it's okay to be annoyed when people are just rude. <laughs> like, and that has nothing to do with e- an attachment, but my fixation on someone ghosting me can be my insecure attachment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where I can't stop thinking about how annoyed I am or how mad I am that they are so rude to me. And, and like, then it becomes about like how they feel about me and not necessarily that they're just not ghosting or they're not, they're not scheduling with me. It's, they don't like me. They, everybody does this to me. That's when our attachment, like, so when it becomes much more of a, like an overarching theme, right. Of, of how I see the world, that's when I know. So oftentimes that would be anxious attachment because what happens for me, at least now I'm only speaking from my own experience. No, you're in I, my head right now. Totally in my head because I've got two, yes. I've been an right. entrepreneur for 15 years and I have right. clients that have been running with me for like 10 or more years. And I have two specific clients in the last year that I still routinely communicate with them the way I had for many years. And they were always involved in programming that now just don't respond. And I think behind, and COVID has a lot to do with things too, Mm. you know, changing, you know, changing the way we do business, of course, but I get kind of pissed. I'm like, you can't totally be pissed. Yeah. Then I helped you over these years, grow your business and you're not going to give me the time of day now. Oh, it's just so it is annoying. Right. So you feel rejected. So that could, so remember, okay. So the two, I don't know if I didn't go into this with avoidant. Okay. So the, the greatest fears of an, an anxious person, ambivalent attack. We say ambivalent basically because your mother was, if you think about your relationship with your mother, people go, well, that was in the past. No, it's not. It's still here. Your mother's right here. <laughs> like, because what happens is that is how we learned how to respond first, right? So if your mother was hot and cold, like sometimes she was smothering you, sometimes she was distracted, we end up with what we call ambivalent attachment because we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or if you were wait, oftentimes women that are ambivalent or anxiously attached have childhood wounds that they have not healed. So that spills out onto their relationships. So they're always hyper-focused and over 
um, stressed about relationships around them, not within them. So what happens is we are trying to predict so that we don't get hurt. So what we're doing is I'm a planner or I was at least, and especially when I'm stressed, I will want everything planned out and I will want to know at least what your plan might be because it's better than not knowing anything at all. Because as a child, I needed to be able to look at my mother's emotions. My mother had mental illness so for or has. So I was able to, I had to predict what her mood was going to be. So I need so that I could stay safe. Like, do I go and try to meet her need or do I try to avoid it and, and stay out of the way? So oftentimes, even if it wasn't completely overt like that, when we have anxious attachment, we're always looking for ways that we're either going to be rejected or abandoned. Then in an avoidant, their greatest fear, their deepest fear that drives them is that they are going to fail. That they're going to be so for seen me, I as feel like I'm losing control, and and yeah. and yeah. because I am definitely a control freak. I mean, so that might co- be avoidant. COVID did that More to me, so. and so did my divorce. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's like I finally put my hand, my life in someone's hands, and that was I. I walk away feeling um, disappointed and not cared for, and also mm. just you know concerned about my security and yeah. i've translated that into business if i'm not in control of every motion any little puzzle piece missing means like you know my deck of cards could come down right so that i think my a tremendous amount of stress yeah. and anxiety like it's there's an- there's anxiety in both yeah so i guess what i'm wanting to say to the people that are listening is this it's okay wherever you're at you are okay. It makes sense. And I I got really close. I got really good at telling myself that. It makes sense because of my own story, why I would react the way I do. But healing, making choices, reading, getting more information, learning more about ourselves and having compassion for that, that's our job. And so any ways that we can learn more about who we are helps us have compassion for other people, knowing that they also have a journey and a story that often has very little to do with us, you know, but, um, but if, yeah, if your listeners want to any information more about attachment, they can take the 60 second quiz and they get a little uh, report with it at wisteriaedwards.com. W-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A edwards.com. And it is absolutely free. And um, I just hope that gives a little nugget of information uh, that it makes sense yeah. and that you're loved the way you are. But um of course, think- you know what? My big takeaway right now is going to be that's just rude. And I have to move on because it's true. It's like I kind of want to call them out for their ghosting and their not response. Yes. It's like it is just rude. I don't know what's transformed on their end. Uh, I, I do take it very personally. I need to stop because you well, know what? I think, yeah, absolutely. All- and I think that we also, yeah, go. Yeah, like, I think no, that I, we- I'm also that person that 100 people in a room could love everything I'm saying and doing and relationships. And that one person who one person. just walks away, like, wait, wait, why don't I have your attention well, and approval? And that that's a whole new can of worms, probably. Yeah, it is. But I think oftentimes it's the fact that that one unkind word. That is a developmental trauma that we have from children that like that one person could have hurt us once, but that stays with us. So we have, I mean, it's just powerful, right? So, but it is okay to say that's not okay. In kindergarten, we say, uh, I usually say, uh, not okay. 
Right. So it's okay to say that's rude. Absolutely. It's funny because I actually uh, even posted an article and, you know, people thumbs up and they comment. And I had one guy put stupid. (laughs) Like that's the one I remember. It was stupid to him when I said it wasn't stupid to me or somebody else. But his response is the one that I'm like sticking with. I'm like, how do I block him? (laughs) I know. And that's the thing is everybody's willing to be brave behind a screen where they can't like actually have someone rebuttal in a way that's going to really come back. Um, Here's a motto. Don't be a jerk. I tell my kindergartners all the time. I don't teach babies and I don't teach jerks. Like the world does not need more jerks. So like, why do you even need to comment? Just scroll by like social media, just scroll by. Like if you don't believe in it, you don't agree, go past it. Like, just don't leave something crappy, right? Go back to what my grandmother always said. You can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at all. Bambi, Thumper, same thing. Well, and that's exactly it. Oh, that's right. That that was from Bambi, wasn't it? It was. It was. She was like Thumper. Yeah. And he's like, "Eh." like, he knows. She's like, say it. Like, but it's true. We say way too much of what we think. Totally picturing little Thumper saying that. If you can't say anything. Yeah. And he's like, (laughs) It's so painful because I often get in trouble. See, I always say what everyone's thinking. So I always get in trouble for that. But the thing is, is that we need people that tell us the truth, but we also need to be willing to tell ourselves the truth. Like, am I being a jerk? Am I being rigid? Am I not allowing other people to show up? Because, Mm. you know, so it's, you can flip it. I flip it on myself because I have to. Otherwise, you know, but I think that's the thing. It's like knowing who you are and then respecting where people are at and how can we meet in the middle? And it might not be me getting my way all the time, but it's about valuing the people I'm with and making them know that they're valuable. I can do that. I can also look at myself and say, you know what? I need to (laughs) give people time and room. So um, as we wrap wrap up here for our podcast listeners, of course, I've got show notes. I always ask for our radio listeners, what's the best way to find you? You did give your website, but I yeah. want to on that you also have a podcast. Do you want to mention your podcast? I do. I do. I have my, my company is called Simple and Deep. So my, my podcast is called Simple and Deep. And then I just, um, and yes, wisteriaedwards.com is where they can find me. And then the podcast is everywhere that podcasts are supposedly, I think I put, I push the button. They should all be there. And then this last week I released a book called Waiting for Mr. Rogers, Teaching with Attachment and Attunement and Attention. And it's based on, I used the, I had access to the personal papers of Mr. Rogers, but I also Also, uh, it's about my journey as a teacher and learning to secure my own attachment. So it's really not just for teachers. It's for all of us. And it's really about the children we once were and how we can love that child enough to show up as the wise adult now and allow ourselves to embrace our entire story because that's where I learned there's power. The things we want to hide from the world are really where our power is. And uh, so I would like you know, people to just really be blessed by that. Like to know that I wrote this for people who want to know more about attachment, who want to know how they can use all that crap that happened. Cause it was crap. We know it. Right. And, um, and it wasn't okay. So sometimes we just go back and tell ourselves that wasn't okay. We name it. So children are harmed when they're left alone in a story without an empathetic witness. And oftentimes it's just not getting enough of the good things we needed. It's not necessarily the things we think are traumatic. It's the moments where we were just needing a little more. 
And that's what shows up in the boardroom. It's the little girl that's feeling rejected. It's the little girl that feels like if she doesn't have all her ducks in a row, that someone's not going to love me. That's who shows up. So recognizing that, that we are children. When we squabble, it's a bunch of kids that are saying, hey, do you see me? Do you love me? Am I worth anything? Will you? What if I make a mistake? Are you still going to be there? You know, and so that is what I want for most people or all people really. It's just that they know that they're valuable and it makes sense. That's the other one. It all makes sense. Yes, lady. So know your value and, and yeah. take it to the boardroom and, and, take it's it. a- and then take that. Yeah. Like when you learn something, share it with people. Like I'm learning this amazing thing or share it on social media, like be brave because there is someone that can absolutely be set free from the fact that you say, Hey, I'm, I'm acknowledging that my mom really sucked up on this or, you know, or I'm, I'm celebrating the fact that I'm no longer where I used to be. I've survived 100% of the worst days of my life and I'm still here. Woot woot. You know what I'm saying? Like emoji, emoji. <laughs> so I think that's where we, we encourage each other. And then when you see people celebrating that, they'll want to tell them, that's so awesome. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Then we need more people that, that cheer for us and don't leave crappy comments. Right. Yeah, really. <laughs> don't always, ghost people. That's so, so rude. Always Yeah. I want to thank you so much for being here and also yeah. being in under the weather. You have so much energy. So I, you're so proud on yourself when you were coming into, you're like, Oh, I'm not feeling down. I, you and I, have the advantage of looking at each other on video right now and you're bouncing right. around in your chair and you have so much energy. So you, you have been a wonderful guest and I thank would have you, never Lori. suspected you're under the weather. I do want you to go rest. And I just want to thank you for those wonderful tips and insights. So thank you so absolutely. much. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Be well. Thank and you. And this has been the boardroom for women.